Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It is time for Snap Judgments College Football Playoff Selection Sunday edition. That is Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, and I am Austin Ward. And the Buckeyes are back from the dead. They are going to the playoff. They are heading to Georgia's backyard. It will be a Peach Bowl showdown on December 31st. It is the one versus four matchup. Uh, Ohio State now alive to accomplish two of its goals, potentially. They can still win the national championship, and uh, Michigan is in the two-versus-three game against TCU. Uh, they will be favored uh, to advance in that game, setting up a sh- potential shot at rematch. So, uh, Bill, Berm, I don't know who wants to go first, but that's about everything Ohio State could ask for, given the way things went in the game. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh... It's weird. It's still weird <laughs> as we talked about <laughs> leading into this. It's almost more weird now that it's actually happening. Um, right. I, I thought throughout most of the day on Saturday, this is how it would end up, even with TCU's loss. I, I, I don't know if they were intentionally avoiding the matchup or what. I just, I just think they, they wanted to rank the teams the way they deserve to be ranked. And I, I think this was the right way. And it creates a comp- pretty compelling matchup um, for Ohio State and Georgia, which is a game that I think people have been wanting to see for a few years now. And we finally get to see it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the right ranking or not. It doesn't really matter. I think what it does is it puts the onus on Ohio State to prove that they belong in the playoff uh, and do so by, you know, by playing against Georgia, the defending national champion, the team that uh, everyone believes is the best in the country. And to to go out and win that game will prove themselves, you know, worthy of being involved in this conversation. No matter what everyone around the country has thought for the last five days, it seemed pretty clear on Tuesday night that if USC lost, Ohio State was going to be in the playoffs. So this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. You can throw Nick Saban's pandering out the window. You can throw all of the, the you know uh, talk on ESPN out the window. If USC lost, we knew this was going to happen. Um, I think the only argument was whether or not Ohio State could have been ahead of TCU, which I think if you look at the coaches poll, which I know means nothing, the coaches had Ohio State ahead of TCU. Um, I think most people would have, would pick Ohio State head-to-head against TCU, but I think that there's a, a decision here to not punish TCU by uh, dropping them and forcing them to play the number one seed in their own backyard, um, and subsequently Ohio State will be the one to deal with that punishment. I think that that's such a, a stupid new narrative that was concocted out of nowhere about championship games and not being punished. I've never heard it before this year, and it definitely didn't help Wisconsin when they were undefeated and lost to Ohio State, and Alabama slid in and took their place when they weren't playing that weekend. I don't understand how that's magically different. Um, I also think that TCU and Ohio State's resumes that the Buckeyes were viewed by the selection committee, not by anybody else, as as clearly better than TCU all year um, when they had comparable resumes, meaning only the number in the loss column, which is now the same again. I, I I'm not going to sweat over it as i've said over the last six weeks they were going to justify whatever decision they wanted to make i think ultimately uh whether ohio state was three or four didn't matter it was only that they were three or four and they were in and they were going to have to beat georgia and michigan in all likelihood to win a national title anyway so who cares in this way like you get a much bigger chip on your shoulder if you're ryan day if you're the buckeyes you're going down there it's going to be a hostile environment we've seen this before Dating back to the first edition of the playoff, going down to playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, uh, you know, playing Clemson in the Southeast, it's not going to be easy. But sometimes that's when we see Ohio State at its best. So I don't, I don't think anybody in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center is going to complain, uh, especially considering how close they were to not getting this opportunity at all. 
What do you think would have been better? Like for, for Ohio State and its current current psychological state, I suppose, to rip the band-aid off and have to play Michigan right away or to get a little bit of a, of a buffer, knowing, as you said, you're going to probably have to beat them again to win, win it all anyway. Uh, is this the better path for them in terms of being able to kind of focus on the task at hand? I think so. Uh, I think that if you head into this game thinking that you have to get right back on it against Michigan, I think some of the other stuff maybe gets uh, diluted or, or um, potentially looked past. And re- and all you do is think about Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. We have there, there's there's structural things in the Ohio State offense and defense that need some adjustment. And I think if you are focused solely on the who you're playing and not what you have to do and fix internally that it becomes a, a bigger challenge to do that. So I think this is probably the better road. Um, obviously, I, I think there is a, a, a large segment of the Ohio State fan base that would say, hey, let's just get right back on it and get Michigan now. But um, as Austin said, it doesn't really matter because you're going to have to beat these two teams anyway. So um, may as well start with the with the biggest fish and, and move from there. I tried to pull a couple of people, Bill. Like, to me, it, it doesn't make any difference. I think there's a lot of compelling mm-hmm. storylines here with going and playing Georgia in Atlanta. Um, and then if things go the way that they, you know, hope and plan that um, they, they could keep their rival from winning a national championship after that. So that seems like uh, the more intriguing path, at least to those that have been around the program that I talked to, that's what they want. That's something that they're looking forward to doing. I don't know if, if you had a preference between those two. Uh Maybe for my own like sanity, I would have preferred <laughs> to not have to cover another Ohio State Michigan game immediately, or cover the build up to that immediately. Um, it would have been fun. It would have been fun, I think, for a lot of reasons. But I, but I think uh, this is probably maybe better for everybody at the moment. And I'm not even talking about like on the field because I think if Ohio State and Michigan played again, like Ohio State would probably be favored on a neutral field. Um, and and I think there were some things in that game that are not necessarily replicable. And I would like, I'm very much looking forward to seeing those two teams play again. I hope we get to see it. Um, but I think this, this to me is, is, I don't know, a little more cooler. I think to see, to see Ohio state and Georgia finally go at it. I think for a few years, it's been like, well, I'd like to see Ryan day's offense at its maximized version or close to maximized version, go up against Kirby smarts defense. And we're finally going to get to see it down in Georgia. So that's cool. That's the question though, isn't it? I mean, we, this is the thing about, this next, you know, uh, 25, 26 days for Ohio State, 27 days, I guess, four weeks almost to the day. How maximized are they going to be? And that's something that we'll find out a lot more about probably on Sunday afternoon when, when you guys get a chance to talk to Ryan Day in, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. But how close are they? Uh, is Travion Henderson going to be able to play? What is going on with Jackson Smith and Jigba? These are questions that change the tenor of the entire game for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I don't expect to hear any uh, positive diagnosis for Travion Henderson. We've, we've talked about the nature of that injury and he also, um, you know, posted about it on social media, how severe it is. Um, as we had been suggesting for several weeks, that's something that uh, is going to require surgery at some point. They'd put it off and hoped that rest, he could play through it or manage the pain. Uh, I mean, there's still, as you said, Berm, almost a month ago. I don't, I don't think it's going to improve enough for Travion Henderson that he could play. Uh, the more pressing question for Ohio State then is twofold. Mayan Williams with the high ankle sprain, that would seem to be enough time for him to get back. Cameron Brown left uh, the win or the excuse me, the loss to Michigan with what appeared to be an arm uh, or shoulder issue. He's got four weeks to get back. And then obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba. Since the re aggravation against Iowa, he will have 
two and a half months from the middle of October until New Year's Eve to play. Now he's going to have to practice, obviously. So it's not like that's the cutoff point. I think you have to have a decision almost right now on Jackson Smith and Jigba, whether he is uh, the, the diagnosis. Are you going to be able to play at the end of the month? And if so, when can you start practicing? Are you in or out? And we know that he's been trying his best to be in. The second time that he aggravated was more severe than the first versions. Basically, was the entire hamstring that was impacted. That's why he left to get a second opinion on the, the on the setback. Uh, the The game was always the most optimistic timeline, but it wasn't necessarily a realistic one. So, I, I think I don't know if we'll get a definitive answer on that today, Berm, but. Uh, we all know how important that will be for Ohio State if they get to add that back in because we've seen uh, Ohio State's wide receivers group been stretched a little bit thin uh, when we are trying to rely too much on Xavier Johnson and you don't have any of the true freshmen playing, Jaden Boward not contributing. They've been leaning heavily on Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka, and Julian Fleming, and that's probably too much uh, for them to bear, especially if you're going Georgia and Michigan potentially back-to-back. Yeah, and it's all that much more important because despite the fact that Georgia's defense continues to be one of the best in the country, we watched them on Saturday night against a beat-up LSU team give up 550 yards, uh, including a hefty portion of those to the backup quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer, in the second half. So the more weapons you have, if you go back to Georgia's most recent loss, which was against Alabama in the 2021 SEC championship game, the way you beat Georgia is by stretching the field, by being aggressive down the field in the passing game. And Ohio State's going to need all those weapons uh, in the in the passing game to do that. And in my mind, that includes the running backs, whether it's, you know, a healthy Mayan Williams, whether there's a miracle with Travion Henderson, whether it's Dalen Hayden, whatever. You have to find ways to get the ball out in space and, and push the ball down the field with them. I'm really fascinated what this does <clears throat> for Ohio State's mindset. Just like like Ryan Day on ESPN on, on Saturday, on college game day, uh, was asked, like, kind of pointedly um, – who by uh, who's the punter who has the radio show whose name I can't remember right now? Pat, Pat McAfee. McAfee. <laughs> Pat, 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 Pat McAfee. McAfee or McAfee? I don't know. McAfee. It's, it's yeah, he's not he's the a McDonald's coffee guy. drink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he he asked Ryan Day kind of pointedly you know, about pressing, uh, playing tight against Michigan, and Ryan Day didn't admit to it, but he also didn't deny it. But but he he sort of said like, listen, we're not going to be that way anymore, um, and and I think. Getting in one helps that, but also two, not having to face Michigan right away. I think I think maybe makes that perhaps even easier for Ohio State to go into this almost feeling like they have nothing to lose, even though they clearly do. Um, but but I think they can embrace being the underdog, embrace the fact that nobody thinks they should be here, um, and that might be able to help us see the best version of this team this year because we haven't seen that yet. It, I think the best version of this team can absolutely win the national championship, and it needs to get there to to win one at least to win this first game. Uh, but it almost feels like the the scenario kind of lends itself more to that than it would um, if they had to go out and play Michigan right away. Yeah, I don't think it. Like, I wrote about this um, in the snap judgments on OhioState.Rivals.com. Like, there's a lot of people in that building that felt like they just wound themselves up way too tight for a year's worth of the game. And um, you know, you can slice it any way you want. Maybe that's hindsight. I don't know. They've also spent. 364 days preparing for Michigan a bunch of years before and wanted, you know, to prove themselves or they, you know, were so invested in that rivalry and all those other things. And it, it didn't impact them, but 
Um, it did this time and they can't change that, but maybe that's something that they can recognize and adjust from going forward. I don't think that the situation is the same against Georgia. And that's why to your point, Bill, can you see Ohio state's best version? Generally, we do see that when they are underdogs, when they, you know, it's the, the Ohio against the world thing doesn't generally exist when you're 25 point favorites, the world is a significant thing to try and hold off when they're wanting to knock you off a pedestal. Um, but when they are rallied and people have doubted them and look, not everybody expected Ohio State to be in this game all year. So from that point, it's not a perspective and not, not, uh, you know, depends on your matter of perspective. They, they deserve to be here. People thought that they still got a spot that they didn't shock the world to do that. But, you know, going into hostile, a hostile uh, environment against a very good team, uh, people doubting them, uh, others, you know, Alabama fans will be there saying that they don't, they don't belong <laughs> and that the Crimson Tide, like all that stuff will play into it. We've seen Ohio State play its best in those situations. Will they? Uh, we've got a month to talk about that. There's going to be so much conversation over the next month about this stuff that it almost is, is folly to try and dive too deep into it right now. Okay. Well, we had to do snap judgments though. And guess what? Absolutely. We're going to do them again. We're going to do them again uh, in about, I don't know, three or four hours. Ryan Day is going to be available uh, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center later on. Bill Landis and I will both be there. As Berm suggested, he's not going to be there, and he's putting all the pressure on us to deliver uh, <laughs> the video, and we'll do our best. Uh, we'll have that, and then we're going to have the uh, podcast daily with some other reactions. Zach Bourne is going to join us for his thoughts on these matchups and what he wants to see from Ohio State, and uh, Berm's going to go watch the Bengals and Chiefs and do some scouting there. Um, so yep. we'll have a lot more coverage than we'll be at Roosters tomorrow. So that's what's coming now that we know what the matchup is. It is Georgia and Ohio State. It is the Peach Bowl. Make your plans for New Year's Eve. Uh, we, It's going to be a crazy month, and we're going to start getting ready for it, as we always do on the podcast and at ohiostate.rivals.com. That's Bill Burma Austin. We will see you later on.